Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night football come away from Arizona with just their second loss since Russell Wilson was quarterback going all the way back to his rookie game. We see Russell Wilson throw an interception in overtime that gives the ball back to the Arizona Cardinals. They're able to get in field goal range and come away with a 37-34 win. And joining me to talk about it is Nathan Santo from the Seahawks Nest. Nathan, you know, it's one thing doing these shows with guests every week. I, I always I'm disappointed when I bring a guest on and they have to talk about a loss with me. So I I appreciate you showing up and I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm just going to say, I think that in the realm of guests that you could have had for a loss, you know, some I think that in the Seahawks uh, podcast slash uh, blogging community, there's a lot of people who are very prone to, let's say, negativity. Let's just use that word. Sure. And I think like on the spectrum of people you could have brought, it might be good that you brought me because I generally will. I'm relentless in how I try to spin everything into a positive or at least keep like a like a positive mindset about it, you know. Know? Right. So, so I mean, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's fortuitous, you know, <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it worked out for the best that way yeah. people don't have to, although I feel like in a game like this though, Nathan, there's going to be a lot of people that are very upset with the defense in particular, very upset with the Seahawks. The fact that they were, gosh, when you look at the fourth quarter, Seahawks looked like in control. Holy crap, Nathan, that just occurred to me that this is the one time that the Seahawks have now lost being up by four points in uh, going into the second half that streak has ended at what like 59 60 games yeah the, the russell wilson all his crazy streaks of like uh leading by four or keeping games within a touchdown like slowly those have fallen over the years and this is one of the last like monoliths you know the uh the half four four greater halftime point lead never blown it now it is is finally ended does he have any of those left any of those like crazy stats Ooh. uh yeah. I know that there was that one where it was like every game was within a touchdown, right? That he had that one for super long. Do you remember that one? And then uh, yes, and, and then they got blown out by. Well, there was the one game where they really got blown out by the Rams by more than you know, mm-hmm. 20, 30 points or something like. Yeah. yeah wait, let's not look back to other bad times. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, let's focus on happen, this bad time. But, but, but well, let's just look at this though. The the streaks that happen like this, they don't happen because Russell Wilson sucks. <laughs> they happen because he's really, really freaking good. And yeah, I'm, I'm a realist, so I'm th- I'm not going to beat around the bush. This loss sucked. You know, <laughs> this was it was hard. Um, it felt like sometimes we were playing 15 on 11 because the, some some of these referee calls were were pretty tough, and some of them really changed like the whole. I felt like the whole game hinged on one referee call, and if that ref if that call was better, that we would have won the game by 10 points. Let me see if I can guess which one it is. Let, I because I think I know it. It it's a bad. It's it, I thought. I thought, okay, so there's a lot of things you can complain about with the refereeing, okay? But uh-huh. I think this one was by far the most egregious and and had the biggest impact on the game. So yeah. go ahead, what do you think it the, is? The third and five with Arizona down on their own 12-yard line, and Bobby Wagner was called for unnecessary roughness hitting the tight end in the back. Absolutely, 100%. You nailed it. Okay. <laughs> it, was the wor- it was the worst call. It was, it, one, it's a bad call. Two, it extended a drive that turned into a touchdown. And was a really long drive too. Like they had to go so far, and they they got a touchdown on that drive. It was, that's just a tough play. And then on that like same drive, I think it was the next play, or it was either one play before, one play after. I can't remember. But that's the play. Shaquille Griffin goes down with the concussion, right? And that had a huge impact on the game too, because I don't know what Ken Norton's deal is with the Trey <laughs> Trey Flowers is going to line up ten yards off of the right receiver, no matter what. I mean. You can't concede nine yards over and over again 
and expect to not to stop a team from scoring in these like like we these are leverage situations where they only need three points. You just can't give up nine yards over and over. They're going to score if they, if you do that. They only need three points, and it, so it was incre- those are incredibly frustrating. Well, there was a couple different ways that Ken Norton and the defense approached this game that was uh, I think worth discussing. And that is, yeah, you hit on one with Trey Flowers. The other one was the decision in a lot of cases early on in the game and then late in the game to just rush three players and have Shaquem Griffin drop back and spy the quarterback. And it seemed like an effective strategy going into halftime up 10 points that seemed to work well. They were going to make Kyler Murray beat them from the pocket. And with absolutely no pressure on three players, it it worked to some extent. But then again, I mean, it's uh they ended up losing the game. Okay, but I mean, what's your goal? Is your goal to give up 17 points a half? Because that's what they did. They gave up 17 in the first half and 17 in the second half. And if that's your goal, like if you say like, okay, we're going to rush three, we're going to play a really conservative defense and we're going to give up 34 or what is it? 34 regulation points. Right. So you're saying our offense has to score 35. I mean, that's tough. That's a big ask. And to be honest, Russ didn't totally have it today. I mean, those were so some of those interceptions were some of the worst throws I've seen him throw in the uniform. You know, like the the, the those interceptions were tough. They were not pretty throws. And a couple of them didn't bite us in the butt. You know, DK saves the the touchdown and then they end up not not converting on fourth down. Doesn't bite us as it sh- maybe it should. But that throw was terrible. And then it so and then they threw the inter- other one. They threw the interception right back. So so it doesn't yeah, it doesn't. Patrick Peterson caught it in the end zone and then Kyler Murray turned right around and threw it to Diggs. So, I mean, those don't bite us, but those were not great throws. And it it, it kind of speaks to like a greater thing where we just didn't – the offense did, was good today, really good. But it didn't totally have it. It wasn't dominant like it's been at some points this season. I think Russ had a 80, 84 QB rating in this game, which was his lowest of the season by a pretty significant margin. And actually, he's gone down in every single game yeah. since the first game, which is a, a concerning pattern. Although, I think it was a little bit just – above average above curve performance that in if this defense was even just a little bit better leads to a win but it's it was that was not the case the defense just uh well i think that we all expected the defense to play better because they were going to have some new players this week right or players coming back and only one of the three players that we expected to be there was actually there right right so so we we expected dunbar and and adams well and brooks and harrison i guess brooks Brooks came back and Brooks did play good. He had a big tackle uh, down down on the on the goal line. He 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 played a uh, thought a pretty decent football game, and he's one of the guys that I thought might be important in this game because he he's good at tracking quarterbacks on the run. If I would have maybe had to do it over again, I think it would have been more interesting to see Jordan Brooks take on that that role that we saw Shaquem Griffin playing more so, and have him be more of the spy on the quarterback because. The one thing about that approach is I felt like Shaquem, when he had opportunities to be aggressive, he was really slow at taking advantage of them. So whereas I think with Jordan Brooks, I I think his speed um, and his, you know, just looking back at his college tape, too, he uh, he commits, I think, a lot better than Shaquem Griffin does. He's decisive. He gets downhill. But, but it's the kind of thing like. We have a bunch of players that could have played that role, um, but maybe Brooks is too in, coming back off the injuries a little. Maybe they were scared. You know, you don't want him to to re-injure himself. Adams could play that role really well, right. and he is not available. Uh, Marquise Blair probably would have been really good at that role too. He he is uh, unavailable. Yeah, you're, so, you're naming all the injured guys. It's just like this defense is is playing bad, but there's it's not just the it's the fact that we there's personnel that could help a lot that is just unavailable right now. And it's it, it's a it's a combination of just injuries 
and and a lack of a like good game plan and it's it's frustrating especially ryan neal has been a revelation and it's still not enough to like really push us in the right direction uh oh man this defense <laughs> well and the thing is nathan with this defense if you would have told me that with six minutes 50 seconds in the game the seahawks score a touchdown and they're up by 10 points and giving it back to kyler murray with just you know 645 left to go in the game I think I would have been okay with that idea. I would have thought, okay, well, the defense should be able to do enough if they've only allowed 24 points up until six minutes left in the game. They should be able to shut down Kyler Murray with that amount of time left. And let's kind of go through that sequence a little bit because, well, that touchdown to Tyler Lockett that put the Seahawks at 34, that was a a really weird sequence altogether because Russell Wilson hits Lockett in the back of the end zone And it's another one of those plays like we saw from Russ to Lockett against the Rams, where he throws it to the back of the end zone. And you think, gosh, did did Tyler get his feet in? And Mm -hmm. initially, the referees call it a touchdown. And then they change the call, even though knowing that all scoring plays are reviewed, they change the call on the field to say it was an incomplete pass. And then they make Pete Carroll challenge it. Thankfully, the Seahawks had one timeout left. Uh, They had already burned two timeouts uh, in the half. So fortunately still had one timeout for that challenge. Yeah, that that um, what a catch too. I mean, just a great catch by Lockett. Lockett awesome in this game. 20 target targeted 20 times, 15 receptions, 200 yards and three touchdowns. That's an absurd line for Tyler in this game and just one that if you picked him in your daily fantasy contest you're probably doing backflips <laughs> because that is insane but yeah it's tough I mean it's, yeah we had losing those timeouts in in the half like that that's a classic like Pete Carroll thing like Seahawks thing like we're just randomly losing timeouts for no reason and it's not like we needed them in this game but right but could you it, imagine if if they had burned that third timeout somewhere and right. an officiating call like that turned around that way when all they had to do was allow the touchdown as called initially and then review review it in the booth. Uh, it, it was just, it was a weird sequence of events and, and fortunately it worked out for the team. But yeah, being up 10 points with six minutes, 50 seconds to go. I, I think the other play that we need to talk about is uh, is one that followed that. And Nathan, let's get to that one coming up after the break. Talking to Nathan Santo of the Seahawks Nest and breaking down this game with the Arizona Cardinals. Looking to the fourth quarter, the Seahawks score to go ahead 34-24 and just a little over six minutes left in the game. The Cardinals able to drive down the field relatively easily. Uh, They only had to convert two third and ones. Well, they didn't convert the one third and one, but they did get it on fourth and one uh, with a Kenyon Drake run up the middle. That was the play that he ended up getting injured on. They convert the next third and one, but then they get into a third and 12 and decide to kick the field goal. But then Benson Mayoa was not only called for defensive offsides, he was called for unsportsmanlike conduct for uh, using leverage to try and get up and over the offensive lineman into the backfield. And I look back at that and that's so unnecessary. I just make him kick the field goal and you have two and a half minutes left, you get the ball back and you're still up a touchdown. I think like what happened on that play though, is like Mayoa goes offsides, right? Right. And so no one's moving. And then he just 
panicked <laughs> like he panics and he doesn't like it's like he's like okay what do i do you know and he could he could just run guys over or whatever but he decides like I, i'm gonna go over these guys and yeah. which is what you don't do on these plays and so then when he puts his once you put your hands on guys backs like the refs are gonna throw a flag it's 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 just like that's the way they enforce the rule you know so um yeah that sucked <laughs> sucked really bad um and i guess it, it would have been three minutes left in the game because they use just two plays they get in the end zone and two and a half minutes left. So I, I just feel like being down a touchdown in that situation is a lot different than a field goal. But well, for one, then the Seahawks, even if they do end up uh, doing the same type of sequence where they make the Cardinals use all their timeouts, then you're making them drive the field for a touchdown rather than drive the field to try and get into field goal range to tie it up at the end of the game. Yeah, but I mean, okay, I want to talk to you about the, something that happened after this, actually. Okay, okay so Seahawks have the ball first and 10 on the 20. They're on 26, 154 to go, right? Carlos Hyde gets a first down. They call their second timeout. Then we we just run it, like, or we, we or they call their first timeout. We, then we run it three straight times, okay? Right. Um, I, I don't know. The, I feel the like... Second time, the, on second and nine, it was a successful play because they got seven yards, and that was the run that made them use their third timeout. But on third and two, with a minute 42, they decide to run it on third and two. And that it does allow more time to come off the clock if the run isn't successful. But at the same time, if you throw in that situation, then see, to me, this is what makes such a big difference. If if the Cardinals are down by seven, I don't think you are that concerned uh, about one going for it and trying to run out the clock some more or kicking it back to them and, and making them go the length of the field rather than trying to get into field goal range. Right. Being them being only down by three. I, I don't, I don't know. Like they don't have to go that far And the way we're playing defense where we're willing to give up an, you know, an 11, a 10 yard catch on every play <laughs> but right. for some reason. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like you've got to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands on third and two there and, and say like, okay, if, if, you know, if something bad happens, just eat the sack and run the time off the clock. Dixon can still kick it really far. Right. It's got, I don't think the field position would have been that different. They, he kicked it into the end zone. They got it on the 20. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be a huge, huge difference. And so I, I, I'm i I'm a little disappointed. They decided not to, to put the ball in Russ's hands and let him try to win us the game right there. Right on third and two. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that's a, a fair criticism. And and it's, it's, um it's the kind of decision-making like it, it feels like we fell back into like an old habit there. Like the new habit is like, let Russ try to win the game, make sure that he, the ball is in his hands when it matters the most. Right. And then that running off right tackle on third and two with, with Carlos Hyde felt like, uh, it felt like it made me, it gave me a flashback to like Dallas playoffs, you know, where it's just like, why, but <laughs> Russ, what Russ win us the game, you know, don't, don't put the, put us in the position where Carlos Hyde is winning us the game. Right. So that was frustrating for me. That play was almost as frustrating as any, anything else. And then of course, you know, we punt, they, they give up a bunch of like 10 yard plays because we're playing a, the soft, the world's softest zone defense. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then Zane Gonzalez kicks the field goal to send it to overtime. And at that point, I'm still supremely confident. Do you know why? Because we've got the coin flip God himself <laughs> right. coming out to the field. And he won the coin flip again. I could not believe it. I think I wish I could bet on like Geno Smith just flipping coins or something because this guy is like um, incredible at flip at winning coin flips. So then I'm thinking, all right, well, there's no way we can lose now. And of course, we give up our first sack of the game in the opening drive there. And I'm just I start feeling the existential dread creeping. Creep. Yeah, and the first sack wasn't really that 
consequential because it was on second and two. It was a six-yard sack, and then he hits David Moore on third and eight to keep the mm-hmm. drive going. But then Carlos Hyde. Uh, that, that run. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Like I was like I was like man maybe he should have just like thrown it <laughs> to not <laughs> you know I, I always have this thought but I you have to think on running plays that some linemen are going to be blocking downfield and so if if you throw it then you, you take a penalty in that situation and I don't know maybe the penalty would be better because you're uh, than taking a six yard loss right because then it'd still be first down there was nowhere for him to go on that play. And it, it, yeah, so it's just total, total bust. And then we get the third and six and then shell, uh, shell gets the false start. And, uh, that, that was like an Effetti flashback right there. It was. And then, yeah. then Russ, then Russ takes the 10 yard sack, kick it back, give them great field position. They, they get a bunch of, of yards, but then Zane Gonzalez miraculously misses the field goal. And that I'm was, thinking, well, that was after the Cardinals iced their own kicker. Yeah, exactly. They had to. They no had choice. to. The play clock was down to zero, and uh, and he did get a chance to 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 kick it. Anyway, he missed it. it wasn't that that big of a deal? Russ, yeah. Russ, Russ throws another interception that I think is highly questionable, and this one did cost us because it gave the Cardinals really good field position and made it really easy for them to just you know putts their way into field goal range with uh, some Chase Edmonds runs and uh, and that interception Nathan came right after the play where we thought that the Seahawks had won it because DK yeah. Metcalf catches the screen pass, runs 48 yards for the touchdown, and yet it's brought back by a David Moore offensive holding. It was a legit holding call, yes. um, but I don't know if David Moore needed to do it. I, I think that DK can break a tackle like that and still make that run to the end zone. Moore just needs to get into his chest, you know, and just push. Like, he don't don't worry about – I. well, you're a wide receiver, you know. You don't need to be holding a block. Like, just try to affect the guy, and then if you can't right. if you can't do it, then let DK try to break the tackle. You're exactly right. Like, if he can just push him a little bit so he's out of the way, great. And if you can't, whatever. You're jo- I feel like he didn't need to, to – he made too much of an effort – or, like, too much effort to be, like, an offensive tackle on that play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, um, all right, whatever. David Moore had some good plays in this game, so I can't – I can't, I can't rag on him too hard for that. I mean, he was part of the reason we were even in the game. Right. Yeah, he had um, some some crucial catches in this game. And then the interception to Lockett, we can talk about that a little bit more. This is what we've... I was watching Mark Schofield this week. He did a breakdown of one of the, the things that the Cardinals have been doing so far this season, and that's doing a, a 0-6-5 formation where they don't have any down linemen in the game. They have six linebackers. Isaiah Simmons was on the field in this situation. And they really like to do this in third and long, where they put all the linebackers up near, you know, up in the box to make it look like they could potentially blitz. And then uh, you see Isaiah Simmons drop back and cover the middle of the field in a lot of these. And Russ threw it just right to Simmons. Um, I don't know if he was expecting Tyler Lockett to be looking for that pass a little bit earlier. He wasn't. That was the one consequential interception that that you pointed out and gave the Cardinals the opportunity to go for the win. Yep. And then, yeah, they had the short field, you know, they start their drive on their, on our 49. Right. And right. then they were able to, to use that momentum to just get the, you know, whatever they needed, 19 extra yards. And, uh, this time Zane Gonzalez did not miss. No. If, if you would have told me before the game, like, Hey, this is the tough four game stretch and they're going to go two and two in that stretch. I'd probably go, that's fine. Well, I'll take it because the end of the schedule is pretty easy. Right. Right. And I'm, I might even say like we could lose three of these four games and still have a relatively clear path to the one seed if we can get hot again at the end of the season. Sure. Um, but 
the problem is that this was an eminently winnable game and it, it's it's it changes it in my head you know it's like it's like yeah if you just tell me hey you're gonna go two and two you'll lose to arizona and you'll lose to san francisco or you'll lose to um the bills it's like okay fine it sucks but two and two is probably good enough that's it's, it's the toughest set of the schedule now though when we lost like that though it's like oh man we could have gone three and one you know <laughs> i'm always gonna it's gonna be in the back of my head like that was close we we could have had that game and we kind of it was a combination there was bad calls that went against us a combination of bad calls and uh little mistakes that kind of all added up to a to a close loss yeah and you're talking about the next four games i was looking at it more in terms of the next five games because i think three and two would be okay and I know going into this stretch, that was kind of in my mind is, yeah, that would be acceptable. But now they have to go three and one over the next four games to get to that three and two. And, it, right. and we and, the, and, you know, when you lose the close one, if we end up going two and three over the stretch, you're going to look back and say, well, that was the one we should have had to go three and two. Right. If, yeah. Especially if at the end we get to the end and, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't lose again and we barely miss out on the one seed. You're going to look back to that game when we're you know, 12 and four and they're 13 and three. And we're, we're going to go, Oh man, that was the one where we could have, we could have taken that one seed and gotten that by extra week to get healthy, all that. Because I mean, there's parts of our schedule at Eagles, at home for giants, home for jets at uh, Washington. That's pretty easy. That's, yeah. that should be four and oh. And so that there's still, there's still these parts of our schedule that are just so good. And, but a lot of divisional games, those are hard. They're always weird. Our division is very good this year. And um, I think the Bills are fraudulent, but other people think they're good. The Seahawks aren't going to lose on my birthday. It's just not going to happen. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad my... we can count on that. Mark that down as a win. It's 100% victory. The Seahawks <laughs> don't lose on Nathan's birthday. That's kind of going to happen. I just, I can't, it can't happen. That would just be too much to bear. See, I wanted to look at this game, though, and have this be the one where I look back at that play that DK Metcalf made to run down Buda Baker on the pick six. Oh my gosh, what to, a play. To look back at that play and say that was the play that won this game for the Seahawks because that play by DK Metcalf, I, I don't think it could be understated how incredible that is. The, uh, the, the speed that he had to run down Baker and to make that tackle before he got to the end zone, it was incredible. Second fastest uh, defensive run, uh, run, top speed in the league this year. Uh, for on a tackle, DK, DK Metcalf. Um, <laughs> He's not supposed to be making defensive plays. DK Metcalf is not supposed to be the Seahawks' best defensive player. Hey, first place is a Seahawk, though, for defensive tacklers. Uh, it was Shaquille Griffin oh, hey. was, the, was the fastest defensive player of the year so far. The thing the thing about that play, too, is, is that I wrote down this note. I was I said, did Buda Baker turn around to to wave or to try to stiff arm DK and then change his mind. <laughs> I can't, I can't decide either. I feel like he was going to turn around to taunt, but then realize someone was coming. No, I think he probably looked up at the screen and you know, it's kind of one of those things where objects in the mirror are closer than they actually <laughs> appear. And he thought that DK may have been a little bit closer than he was and turned around just a little too early. And then you think uh, he was going to try to, you think he was going to try to stiff arm DK Metcalf. <laughs> that seems like a horrible idea. <laughs> it's, it seems like a bad idea, but he also, I don't think wanted to get the ball popped out of his hands either. Yeah. The, I think, I mean, like I, like if that play is going to be on DK's highlight reel for the rest of his career, it's kind of the reverse of the, of the getting the ball punched out behind him. Right. Right. It's just, it's like the, it's, it's why we love DK. He's, he's a full effort guy. Um, even if he does make some kind of like youngster mistakes right now, he's, he really is, He's 100, 110% all the time. You know I what I mean? I would put that play up with the Earl Thomas chopping the ball out of the Rams uh, running back's hands at the goal line. It, it, I think it's on par with that. 
the, the best part of that run too is like when uh he catches up to russ and then passes him and you can see russ when dk goes by and be like all right i can stop running now <laughs> that guy is way faster than me <laughs> it's like like you could definitely tell he's like all right i don't have to run because dk has got this one or he's, he's gonna get it better than i could yeah um yeah i, I think there's a real like 2018 chiefs vibe with this seahawks team mm. um we have the quarterback who's playing the best in the league um, we have a defense that is not good, <laughs> and right. we have a, and we have really good special teams. Myers is kicking really well. Um, I know on my podcast I like to joke all the time that he's automatic, but he really is kicking super good. Um, he has, has he missed anything yet this year? No. He, well, he's hardly had a chance to miss anything. I think. I mean, he, extra points. He's making all those too. Oh, yeah. baby. Automatic. So then, so then, uh, Auto Myers. Sorry. And then, uh, I mean. Dixon's back and rounded back into like top, top form. And it just feels like the special teams is playing really good. But this defense is going to we'll sink or swim by how good this defense can can be. If Jamal and Snacks can come in and make it so that, you know, this is a better defense. If Shaquille is not the concussion's not too bad because that that could hurt a lot, too. Yeah. If that concussion keeps him out multiple weeks, this is this. The thing that's tough is the way we play defense, right? With the secondary and these guys passing guys off to each other with the zone defense, the they need to play together to really communicate like that. Like Shaquille in this game passed a guy off to nobody. Oh, right. <laughs> like that, on the, on the one touchdown in the back yeah. of the end zone. Yeah, that happened in this game. And it's like plays like that don't happen if the guys play a lot together because they'll know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll know the tendencies of the guys they're playing with, but they just have not played a ton together. I mean, even Diggs last year was hurt a lot, right? So his time with these guys, these guys, it, we've never had the, the, the full retinue. There was no preseason, the, you know, less, there was less training camp. It's just, it was a tall order, and I think that to build your defense around the secondary like the Seahawks did, it would have helped a lot to have more just game time with everyone together and healthy. And so I'm ner- nervous, I guess. I don't know. I just want to. I want everyone to get healthy and uh, those guys to start playing together before the playoffs. Yeah, Shaquille Griffin has to be a part of the secondary now, unfortunately, um, because we see what... Man, I was really rooting for Trey Flowers to try and come back this season. I would almost rather have Ugo Amadi playing outside. I know he isn't the traditional prototype corner that for Pete Carroll's defense, but I think Ugo Amadi would be a better outside corner than Trey Flowers right now. I think Ryan Neal would too. That's that's my uh, sleeper for like guy that could challenge Trey once cuz mm-hmm. he I think they're going to try to find ways to get Ryan Neal onto the field. Sure. With when Jamal is back. And I think that that's a way they can do it is play him some at corner. I think having Ryan Neal as the slot corner and having Ugo outside, if if Shaquille yeah. Griffin can't play, I, I would take that and have, yeah. have that be your nickel defense. Right. Flexible pieces, too. Like that. I think that the flex they want to have flexible pieces. That was their goal. Right. Yeah. Is to have guys that could kind of that's why Blair was playing corner and and some corner and some safety. Right. So that guys could come out and they could be flexible in where they put them so that they could kind of trick quarterbacks into making mistakes. And it, it is working like we're getting interceptions. We're still creating turnovers, but not not enough in this game. We maybe needed one more. Yeah. Puna uh, Ford with the force fumble. Got to call out Puna with the, yeah. the nice force fumble. I think that defensive line is not as bad as maybe people expected, but we they're not finishing any sacks. I can't fault the Seahawks necessarily for the game plan because I thought the idea of making Kyler beat you throwing from the pocket would be the way to go. And that is ultimately that that was what they were able to beat the Seahawks doing. It was working until Griffin got hurt. Let's be honest. I mean, I think if Griffin doesn't get hurt, it changes. the. Like I said, there was like a series of two or three plays right there where Wagner gets the penalty and then Griffin goes out with the concussion that the whole game just kind of 
went in the toilet bowl. They started circling the toilet bowl at that point, right? Like that was when the flush happened. And then it was just not all downhill from there. Cause that, I mean, that's just tough. It's tough to lose your top corner. Even if, I mean, I think there's some dis- discussion in the Seahawks uh, community of is Shaquille Griffin a true number one corner. And I think that's a fair question to ask. He's up and down a little bit, but, but I mean, there's no doubt he's the, he's the best cornerback on this team sure. <laughs> and, and, or he's at least as good as Dunbar. He's important to the team. And when we go from Griffin or Dunbar to flowers, it's a big drop off right now, a really big drop off. And I don't know if that's, I don't know what happened to flowers. It's so weird because every year he seems to get worse. It's like the reverse that you would expect. And I don't know if that's like, there's a book on him now. It's just, this is how you beat Trey flowers. Well, but and you know, the, every year he gets worse. So what this is his third season, right? So, I mean, the first is rookie season. There wasn't a ton of, expectations he was making a a position change from safety to corner and then second year you expect a guy to have maybe a little sophomore slump and so this was the year that i was thinking that he would bounce back and i don't know if it was the trade for quentin dunbar that you know got to him mentally or or what's going on but he just doesn't seem to be yeah i i don't even think we have 2019 trey flowers out there right now he went from 64 PFF rating his rookie year on like a full, full, pretty much full snap count, right? He was the number two cornerback. Then his second year, he went down to 49 and a half. And this year so far, not including this game, which I'm sure is going to hurt him even more. He's at 38.2 pro football focus rating, which is pretty bad. And it, I don't know. I mean, the, the position conversion, maybe it just didn't work. It didn't work quite the way they wanted it to. He's, he seems fast enough. He ran a four, four, five. I don't understand why they have him playing. So not physical, you know, he seems to, to be so far off the ball and playing this, this non-physical brand of football. Like just, I know Hopkins is not probably not the guy you want to try to beat up at the line of scrimmage, but I don't, I think it's better than just giving him a nine yard catch on every play. Right. Um, just conceding that that this is a free play. You can go to the sideline nine yards down the field and just have this one. Well, yeah. And when you give Kyler Murray, you know, when you only rush three, he's going to have enough time to drop back, hit his back foot and just throw to the sideline and get those nine yards. Yeah, just soft at the end. It's tough. It's a tough loss. It's it, like like we said, it's a winnable game that they just kind of uh, just we needed just a little just a little, one little thing to go our way. You know, there's so many points where one just one play different would have made a huge difference. Well, the Seahawks have had so many games like this where it does go their way. It's bound to bite them at some point. And, you know, you look at the stat line and Russell Wilson for this game, 388 yards, three touchdowns. We, we talked about the three interceptions being a problem. But you on the ground too, 84 rushing yards in this game. And he was he was making a difference on the ground. Unfortunately, Chris Carson went out with a foot injury in this game. Hopefully he comes back soon. Carlos Hyde, uh, four and a half yards per carry. I think that's about what I would have hoped for from Carlos Hyde. One little thing at the end of the game, uh, they go. So we've seen in the past couple of weeks, Travis Homer has been very good in pass protection. Um, kind of like an unsung hero at the end of these, at these, in these drives in these close games where they put Homer out there and he does, he's not out there to run. He's out there to, 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 to block, you know, he's out there to block. And instead of Homer at the end of this game, because Homer had a knee contusion, that's right. what Pete said in, in the post game, uh, Which contusion had, is a fancy word for bruise. Uh, DJ Dallas was in the game and I'm just going to say, DJ Dallas, you are Trey Homer's the block god. He is awesome. He he gets in there. He's a little guy, but he man, he is 
full effort and he does a good job. DJ Dallas was not Travis Homer at the end of this game. And that did make it just another injury that made a big difference. It's like a little thing. There was one play where, where DJ Dallas slid over behind the guards and a guy came right through right past him and tackled Russ. And it's like, dude, you could have had that one. No problem. Homer would have had that one. Yeah. He would have been all over that play. And it's just, that's the kind of stuff where, Running back depth is going to be an issue if Penny's not coming back soon and Carson's injury is serious and this Homer thing turns into a real thing. Now we're down to Hyde, Dallas, and I don't know. That's that's it's it's dire straits after that. I think. Right? Yeah. Who's your practice squad running back at this point? Oh, do you want me? Do you want me to look it up right now? No, no, we don't need it. It's not that important. And you know what though? At the end of the day, we still have the best quarterback in the league, uh, or at least like top top three, depending on who you ask. And it's going to be. You know, we're we're still going to be in the playoffs. We're still going to be a tough out. I'm I'm ex- I'm excited about every week of Seahawks football. Still a tough loss, but we'll get after it. I'm not worried. A tough loss, and uh, I'm glad you're able to bring some optimism to the show, Nathan. So, if people want to check out the Seahawks nest this week and and get some more of that optimism, or unless you you change your mind and really go negative after rewatching this game, <laughs> I, I don't know how that generally goes for you. But where should they go to check it out? Yeah, you can head over to uh, you can find us on Twitter at Seahawks Nest, just Seahawks Nest, whenever, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, oh, and we have a website. It's a uh, <laughs> punthub.us. You'll, you'll see. It's like a joke. <laughs> but if you're a big, punthub.us. Is, that, is this if, a new thing? But if you have a if you have if you're a big Michael Dixon fan, this is going to be like a website <laughs> that really appeals to you. It's a it's a it's a gag, you know, like oh, you'll sure. see. You'll see when you go to it. Check out punthub.us. Check out fieldgoals.com. Uh, Russell Wilson, there's an article up with uh, Russell breaking Matt Hasselbeck's record for completions that happened in this game. Some injury updates there, too. And if you want to comment on the loss, you can go to the game thread from Mookie Alexander. It's all up there. Fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to this show. SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. And with that, let's get on out of here, Nathan. Go Hawks. <laughs>